Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio's ESL Podcast. Guys, man, we are here and we're getting into some really, really good talks about globalization and urbanization. Now, remember, I told you guys that you would be presenting and, of course, I am still accepting a lot of people out there or for the students who are willing to come onto my podcast to do presentations and just have a bunch of fun. Please, and I mean please, you need to let me know as soon as possible. And with that being said, guys, globalization, what is that? I love this so much. And I'm going to give you guys a lot of listening today, a lot of different things that will be able to help you in terms of things that are happening like present day, things that we know. I, I love globalization just because Jack Ma, Jack Ma, he was talking about it over so many different occasions and the first time I actually heard about this was in 2016 because I didn't really know much about all the Alibaba, the e-commerce and stuff like that. So I started integrating myself and immersing myself into these big topics that are very, very crucial um, and very important in our present society. So globalization was one of them. And you know what? To be able to trade and to do the things we do now compared to what it was back then, like with the Silk Road and, of course, China, who's creating the new Silk Road right now. Um, they're like the emerging world power that's beginning to take over and become more independent as opposed to, you know, them always trying to do everything for America and whatnot. So, I mean, it's just really interesting to see the shift in powers right now. And the thing is, you know, when it comes to the trade war and all that ridiculousness, of course, when it comes to any kind of war, no one wins. So some people could say, oh, well, we outlasted. No, no, everyone loses. Okay. And even some of the biggest companies are taking hits, such as Adidas and Nike and Apple. But you know what? Globalization has helped so many different countries in terms of like developing jobs for their citizens. So what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to show you guys some target vocabulary. So let's look at some of these things. And of course, this is available on my blog at the And with that being said, what do you think some people typically eat, drink, and produce in some of these countries? Number one, China. What do people typically eat, drink, and produce? China produces a lot of different things. Of course, in America, I remember always seeing as a child, made in China, made in China, made in China. I said, why doesn't anything say made in America? Because, of course, America ships jobs over there because of cheap labor. They do not want to pay their own the salary that they are deserving of. So, of course, they ship them off, and now they possibly could be coming back home because of the emerging trade war that's happening right now. How about Italy? Now, of course, what do they produce? A lot of people would say, oh, the Bugatti, the Ferrari, some of these gorgeous cars. But they also produce a lot of other things such as what you're getting ready to hear in this upcoming recording. Mexico, I used to always see that. It used to say, Echo en México. Ah, oh, man, when I was a kid, like 1998, 1999, 2000, I had a bunch of Mexican friends. Shout out to my folks in Mexico City, Tijuana, and everywhere else out there. But man, I grew up with Mexicans and Filipinos. You know what I mean? Um, and then when I got to high school, it was just about everything. Guam, Anglo-American, African-American, Filipino, Vietnamese, you name it. Americans were all different colors, shapes, sizes, doesn't really matter. But I remember I always used to ask my mom, be like, Mom, what does hecho mean? And she would slap me and go, boy, boy that says hecho. 
And I said, what does echo mean? She's like, that means made. And what does end mean? She slapped me again. Boom, boy, that means end. I said, oh, well, that's very easy. And this is why Spanish, I consider it to be one of the easiest languages to learn once you learn English because in is n, in n, in n, i n. Of course, that's the preposition in English. E n means in in Spanish. So echo, you do not pronounce the h; it's silent. Echo in Mexico, Mexico. Okay, we do not say Mexico. That's of course English. In Spanish, the x is silent. So Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. So. Anyways, I would see that a lot. So Saudi Arabia, one of the biggest oil refined countries in the world, biggest one of the biggest oil reserves in the world. Venezuela still number one, but they're not sure what to do about that. Um, and of course, that's a very very sensitive topic, and I will not get into that because I have a one a lot of wonderful Venezuelans out there. But it's all about helping the people. I am for unity. I'm for helping people. If people are in trouble, if there are riots happening, I need to figure out how to help my people. So that's coming from a leadership standpoint. So, um, you know, big shout outs to some of the people who have um, migrated from Venezuela to the neighboring countries, also in Costa Rica, who listen to my podcast. They've reached out to me and they've asked me a lot of different questions um, because I, I completely understand. I cannot you know, I don't know how it feels to be in a situation like that. And so that's why I'm grateful for my life. And I try giving as much as I can every day because as long as I'm here on this planet, I'm giving. So again, Saudi Arabia being one of the, I think, top five in the world, Brunei, which is a Southeast Asian country in AEC, they are another. Then, of course, you got the wondrous, and I mean the wondrous Venezuela out there that has the largest oil refinery ever. Of course, oil is very, very cheap there, but if they take one of those tankers of oil just over the border to Colombia, that tanker alone can cost up to ten thousand U.S. dollars. So how can they? How can oil become more profitable? To whereas it could put a lot of people to work and start pumping a lot of food and different things into the economy. This is what leadership is. So. UK, I have no idea what you folks out there in UK produce. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I have that many people listening to me from the UK. So, so sad. And then America, honestly, man, you know what's really weird? Because I never understood about like GE, uh, which is a, a company that I just don't want to mention at all. Um, but there are a few other companies like Ford and whatnot. And so when... The economic collapse happened, and probably even earlier than that, um, Ford was one of the leading industries out there in Detroit, Michigan. Once that all had collapsed, Ford, they got shipped overseas, some people would say. And Detroit ended up becoming a ghost town. So there are just a bunch of abandoned buildings everywhere, and people would call it a slum. Just a little bit over the river or somewhere out there, not so far away from Detroit, is Flint, Michigan. Uh, course a heavily populated african-american community they are without clean water and have been without clean water for two years welcome to america just saying all i really care about is helping people so my goal of course with some of these nba players is to create wells tanzania or namibia or you know different place mozambique you name it i need to give as much as i can because that's what i've been put on this planet to do so, of course, in a five-year window, on top of what I'm doing now, you guys are going to see some amazing things. So, 
guys, with that being said, I'm just giving you a lot of different ideas in terms of what specific countries make and whatnot. And so then we have a list of items, chili peppers, electronics, potatoes, sugar, chocolate, oil, rubber, tea, coffee, porcelain, silk, and tomatoes. So what you guys are going to do, and, and, and just basically, let's put it this way, an academic work test or anything that requires you guys to listen closely, you're often going to hear comparison and contrasting of like two or more ideas, places, people, or things. So how are things similar? How are they different? They're going to use different language. So this, these expressions are like, such as, unlike, like, another similarity, difference is, faster, whiter, comparative adjectives, comparative language in general. This is what you guys are going to do. So basically, I got three massive things that I'm going to be showing you on this listening. Now, this listening is for you and for only a you. So you'll be able to, of course, go on to my blog, check out the blog, write some things down, send it to me and say, hey, are my answers correct? There's also, you're going to have to listen to it a second time and match where the goods are originally from. So again, what I just recently said, on top with that, like black pepper rubber, are they from China, Ethiopia, Yemen, Brazil, Mexico, Peru, South America in general, and Mexico, uh, India? So, yeah, are they from these places? So what you need to do is match it and fill in some of this. So, of course, with this wonderful listening that I'm going to get ready to put on, you guys are going to listen to a nice little conversation about globalization. Tune in. Three. Good afternoon, everyone. Let me start today's lecture with a question. When you think of traditional Italian cuisine, what comes to mind? Eric? That's easy. Pasta with tomato sauce. Great. So... And... Excuse me. It's okay. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. There's also coffee. Really good Italian espresso. Great. Coffee and tomatoes are key parts of Italian cuisine. But do you know where these things are from originally? Uh, aren't they Italian? Actually, no. Tomatoes are originally from South America and Mexico, and they didn't come to Italy until the 1500s. Coffee arrived around the same time. Coffee beans first grew in Ethiopia, then became a beverage in Yemen and other places. Much later, Italians adopted the custom. This is true of a lot of so-called traditional cuisine. We know the English love their tea and sugar, but tea is originally from China, and sugar is from the Middle East. And traditional Chinese food uses spicy chili peppers, but no one in China had ever seen one until the 1500s. What made all of this possible was international trade. So today I want to talk about two major trade networks from history the Silk Road, and the Columbian Exchange. Then we'll discuss today's system. One of the first significant trade networks was the Silk Road. This started more than 2,000 years ago. It was actually several different routes between China and Europe passing through the Middle East. Most were land routes, but some were sea routes. A lot of goods were traded along the Silk Road. European countries imported silk from China along with porcelain. At that time, only China had the technology to make these goods. 
For thousands of years, silk and porcelain were China's most important exports. People also traded black pepper and ivory from India, gold from Europe, and more. The Middle East was at the very center of the Silk Road and in many ways controlled it. Merchants in that part of the world gained huge profits and political power from the trade network. The second network is the Colombian Exchange. These trade routes developed after Christopher Columbus's ships landed in the Americas in 1492. Now, unlike the Silk Road, the Colombian Exchange was a truly global trade network. Whereas the Silk Road connected Europe, Asia, and Africa, the Colombian Exchange also included the Americas. Another difference is that the Colombian Exchange did not depend as much on traders in the Middle East. That was one reason why Columbus made his voyage. Chinese silk was still a key European import, and he wanted to find a direct route from Europe to China. Like the Silk Road, the Colombian Exchange changed how we eat and drink. Much of the produce you see in the supermarket today was originally from the Americas. Potatoes from Peru, corn from Mexico, chili peppers from South America, even chocolate. No one in Asia or Europe had ever seen these things before. Another example is rubber, which came from trees in Brazil. Finally, let's discuss today's global trade network. Like the Colombian Exchange, it is a truly global system. Another similarity to the Colombian Exchange is that even today, almost 90% of the world's cargo is still shipped by sea. Of course, we trade different things today. Instead of silk, China produces and exports clothing, electronics, and more. And today's system is much faster, which means it's changing cultures around the world that much faster. So as you can see, international trade has been shaping our cuisines and cultures for a very long time. Just fascinating in general, right? Just to know what it was 2,000 years ago and knowing that China didn't know what chocolate or some of these things were and the other side of the world didn't know what this was. Again, this is why I'm so fascinated and a lot of people would say, well, you know, history, it doesn't really matter. But to understand what's happening right now with today's trade network and what's happening around the world with, you know, China and their new emerging... Um, what is it, their new emerging Silk Road that they actually want to implement. These things are a super important to understand. And it's very fascinating knowing what's happening um, or what had happened back in the day. So guys, again, I would love for all of you to, of course, go on to thearseniobuckshow.com and fill out some of these things. And of course, listen to it again and fill out some more. And of course, tell me what your answers are. So guys, with that being said, I know some of you have been asking for a longer podcast. So here it is. I got some really good podcasts coming up this weekend. So stay tuned for that. And as always, man, I am your host, Arsenio, as usual. Stay tuned for more listening coming up this week. Over and out.